Welcome back to Read It or List It. I'm Phoebe. And I'm Ashley. And we are so excited to continue our conversation on the A Court of Thorns and Roses series by Sarah J. Mass. If you listened to our spoiler-free review and have not read the books yet, we are warning you now. The following episode contains spoilers for the entire series. That's all three books. We are not holding back because I have been trying to unleash my love for this series in its full form for months now and I haven't been able to do that and finally this is the time so if you have not read this series yet in its entirety and you're planning to this is your last chance to pause us and come back when you're done reading (laughs) you're gonna have a heck of a book hangover a heck of a book series hangover when you're finished so you will want to return to us um so this is it it's your last chance and we have a lot to discuss so let's get into it i literally think i'm going to re-listen to this episode over and over (laughs) again I just have this like image of you in your office like in the dark like just listening to yourself being like yeah Ashley yes I loved that part too (laughs) I have my resand candle lit right now oh my god you know how good it feels to be able to say guys I am in love with Reese I am in love with him more than it is healthy for a person to be in love with something and someone that does not exist He's really ruined a lot of books for us. He's ruined every single... I have not read a romance, like, or anything with a love story since this series and been able to give it five stars. (laughs) I just, like, I'm like, "Mm, yeah, like, all this was really great, but, like, the male character, let's see. Um, Where did he fall short of being Reese? There's um, a, a TikTok where she's like, why is he so hot and respectful? <laughs> I know. And I feel like, I mean, nothing gets a feminist going than a, a guy who's a feminist and supports his woman. Oh my so speaking gosh. of his woman, we sh- so I guess sexy. we should begin with, with Feyre. I guess so. Let's start with her. Um, I will say from the very beginning, very get-go of this series, I loved Feyre. I think that I relate a lot to her. I drew, drew some similarities between her story and her relationship with her siblings and my relationship with my siblings. And I think that for me, it was a very personal connection to her. And so when I saw her growing through the course of this series, it felt so I felt so connected to that because I've seen myself kind of experience a similar growth not in a you know fantasy fairy realm but just in regular life (laughs) Uh, I think regardless of the high fantasy elements here her growth and development was so relatable yeah I didn't connect with her on that way like I don't think I, I I don't think I identify with her the same way you do but I really, really appreciated her growth throughout the series. Um, and a lot of criticisms that Farrah gets are like, oh my god, she's so unlikable. She's so annoying. annoying. <laughs> and I never found her to be annoying. I take personal offense to anybody that called her annoying because I'm like, you're calling me annoying. But then I'm like, mm, but I am kind of annoying. So it's fine. It's fair. Um, but when I really fall in love with a story 
I always think of it as being made into a film because that's just my medium. Mm-hmm. And I would want to play Feyre so badly because I love that she still, like, has these, like, wonderfully, like, traditionally feminine qualities about her. But she's also just, like, so strong mm-hmm. and clever and... um really i was gonna say another word but we don't swear on this podcast she's badass Um, you can say it. okay okay i can say it thank you mom um she's so badass and i love seeing that um i think female protagonists right and i think that something that added so much to her strength is that at the end of the first book she is destroyed Mm -hmm. physically mentally emotionally she is traumatized. She's dealing with incredible PTSD going to the second book, depression, anxiety, all of that. Her mental health is seriously affected by what happened at the end of the first book. And her ability to recognize that and work through that with people that love her and that are also going through something similar, even if it's not exactly the same, added so much to this story I think it gives young women particularly great hope that regardless of the trauma that has happened to you it does not define you and you are strong and I relate to that very you know deeply and Mm -hmm. I am so fortunate to have a character like Feyre who all of that all of her struggles just made her stronger and made her even more of a badass heroine for me. I mean, it's just Sarah J. Mast does not shy away from addressing those things. She brings it right to the forefront and makes it be known that that doesn't make her any weaker of a character. It only makes her stronger. Yeah. Um, what I love about Feyre is that she's 19 when the story begins and You know, I think a lot of us have moments from our teen years that we're not proud of and that we don't want to bring into adulthood and into new relationships and everything. Mm -hmm. And I appreciated over the arc of the series that she was allowed to grow. And so I think we expect so much from our characters sometimes that we have to remember that, like, they are still people and human and like we're not perfect so wouldn't like I love seeing an imperfect character and seeing them grow into someone who is more grounded in themselves so I'm a huge fan of Feyre I definitely don't think I would ever be cast as her in a movie (laughs) um but you know dreams we can have dreams yeah um I mean I have dreams that a high lord is going to come down into this human realm and um manifest himself in front of me that would be very difficult i i john and i would have to have a conversation about how we would <laughs> how we would navigate that i think that i really resonate with male heroes in stories that are not afraid to bow down to a woman that's in charge mm-hmm. and also stand equally beside her and realize that that those things do not emasculate you. And that's kind of what we're talking about with this toxic masculinity. 
there's so much of that in our world. Um, and I think that these stories are a really great way of showcasing, hey, remember that guy that you really liked in the first book because you thought he was like so hot and like sexy trying to save Feyre? And then like obviously that didn't happen. Um, and like you kind of like forgot about some of the like not so great qualities about him or like brush them under the rug yeah we're gonna talk about that now in the second book and why all of those things were problematic and how it resulted in not the best relationship for Feyre um and then we're gonna show you another character that is a better match for her totally so obviously we're referring to Tamlin um (laughs) as being this like character who is like a great example of toxic toxic masculinity um and I mean I liked Tamlin in the first book I knew he wasn't the I like um I had it spoiled for me that I didn't know like the extent of the relationship with with Reese but I knew that Tamlin wasn't the forever love interest of the story and I remember being so confused when I found that out because I was like they literally just did it and are like so into each other and like I'm into Tamlin, so, like, what's going on? Um, But I also think that something that's really important to see in literature is that your first love doesn't have to be your forever love, but it doesn't diminish what you had. Right. Exactly. Like, you can still have big – like, you can have big feelings for multiple people, and that's totally normal and healthy. Yeah. I I completely agree, and I think – that Tamlin and Farah's love story is a great example of, like you said, Phoebe, first love, you can love someone with your whole heart and that doesn't mean that they're it for it for you. They, they yeah. serve um, a purpose in your life for the time that they occupy it and you can love them fully and completely and maybe a part of you never stops loving them for what they were for you at that time. But as we grow as people, sometimes what we need changes. And I think that Feyre and Tamlin's relationship is a perfect example of Feyre changed under the mountain. I think Tamlin mm-hmm. changed under the mountain. And I think that Feyre fell out of love with Tamlin because of who she changed as a person. Not because of Reese. I agree. I um, I also never viewed... The only thing that bothered me about Reese in the first book, I never viewed him as a villain, but I really did not like the whole fairy wine, like, roofing thing. Like, I remember texting you being like, what are you talking about? This is everything that I hate about men. <laughs> like, Yeah, are you oh, kidding? it's incredibly problematic. I hated him, and I thought, there is absolutely no way, no way that you can redeem yourself for them. And I still, I will, I will admit... I, I understand his reason now being that he was trying to – he saw that Pharaoh was breaking. He saw that she was breaking so much, and he was worried that she wasn't going to be able to um, like survive. Yeah. yeah, come back if she saw what happened during those night parties and that he had to bring her there to protect her. Like everything that he did in the first book was to It served her. a greater purpose. Yeah, and it wasn't like, oh, she's too weak to handle it. I think there comes a point where someone does reach their breaking point. And regardless of how strong you are, having people in your corner to help you and to see those things um, is really beneficial. And so that was the purpose behind that. Though I still, to the, I still, you know, think the lack of consent there is problematic. I remember when I finished um, Ak Math, according to Mr. F- Mist and Fury, 
I immediately was like, wait, I want to reread the first book with all of this hindsight. And I think that's one of the things that is hard for me to accept about some of the stuff that Reese does in the first book is just that obviously it served a greater purpose. But if you were like not to finish the series, you'd just be like, okay, this is super problematic. Super problematic. um, So I guess like... If that could ever be a moment to, like, have, like, a bonus chapter, like, from his point of view or, like, maybe just getting, like, a peek into what was really going on there. Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's – that's probably the one thing about this series that I that I will have a hard time reconciling. I completely agree. When did your – like, when were you firmly in the Reese camp? Um, I think that, so here's the thing about the, like, Tamlin to Reese transition is I feel like it was a little bit, I would have wanted it to be a little bit cleaner. I would have wanted her to send that letter to Tamlin a little bit earlier Mm -hmm. because I definitely feel like I was falling in love with Reese uh, (laughs) before then. I think for me, the moment that he started to teach her how to read, though. (sighs) Yeah. When he started teaching her how to read, that was a moment where I thought he's not trying to protect her or keep her in a little, like, pretty cage like Tamlin was. And he he's, wasn't trying to steal her either. Like, yeah. I think that I never felt that, like, like he – I remember when it started, I was like, he hasn't come in two months, like, to come get her, like, over the bargain that they made under the mountain. I was like, that seems – this doesn't track what's going on and like obviously we come to know that like he only plant like he he created that bond that bargain so that if she needed rescuing if she needed help he would have a way to get to her right and so he doesn't come get her until she literally says i need help Um, and he said he said if if i saw that she was happy and that she really wanted to be with Tamlin and that that was what made her happy I would not come and get her like I want I loved her so much that I wanted her to be happy and that was my main priority and he wasn't going to interfere unless he had to and when she said please someone help me he he, you know helped her yeah so I I I mean he I warmed up to him very early on just as a character in general because I didn't feel like like, he wasn't, like, when she would come first to the night court, he stayed away. He didn't yeah. really, he didn't, like, force himself on her or force his company on her until, like, he was a, I felt like it was a very, like, natural courtship. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that his decision to not tell Feyre that they were mates and to, and to not force his, like, love on her um and keep this like kind of playful dialogue which is just like so fun to lo- oh my god enemies to lover with banter like this is just oh. the best ever and so this whole time i remember thinking like i was like halfway through the book and i texted kaylee and i was like when are they going to bang i, I cannot know. wait another moment so i was firmly firmly in Camp Reese way before Feyre was in Camp Reese oh definitely obviously when she goes to the night court we get to finally meet the inner circle who are Reese's like chosen family mm-hmm. who are just some like when we were talking about in the non-spoiler episode just of like 
the cast of characters that you get to meet, the inner circle that is more Azriel, Cassian, Amran are just like, I want to be friends with them. Yes. I will do. Let me know what I need to do for my addition into the inner circle. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be there. I think there's such great backstories there with those characters too. Who's your favorite in the inner circle? I mean, I love, I really like more because I just think she's so much fun, but I think Cassian's my favorite. No, uh, <laughs> I don't so know. Hard. I like them all for different reasons. I, I mean, Cassian is just so like, he's so, he's such a boy. He's <laughs> that, so like. Uh, I think I would have, like, if I lived in um, the Night Court, like, if I, like, I lived in Valeris, I would have a crush on Cassian, because he's, like, he's not like Tamlin, but he is, he's, like, a hyper-masculine type of guy, and so I think that he would, I, I would... I would be a Cassian girl. Like, so you're really I love, excited for the new books then, right? I'm, I am, I am because I actually, like, um, I know we were joking uh, of, like, if I actually were to get cast in a movie of this, I'm like, I think I would be cast as Nesta. Like, she's small and, like, frustrated a lot and um, she's tough and she's hard to read and I think that I would have fun with that type of character. Yeah, I really Nessa is a character that really grew on me throughout the course me of this too. novel. Me too. I did not like her at the beginning, but then, you know, seeing like it's it was just really cool to see how Farah, Nesta, and Elaine all handled their relationship with their father differently. And their transition to being Fae. Yeah, exactly. I thought that that was really great to see um when we were talking about themes in the book in the non-spoiler episode this idea of like uh, on the one hand Farah she didn't have a strong family familial relationship like by blood and so then she comes and she joins the inner circle and she chooses her family and she feels so loved and accepted mm-hmm. and quick aside the moment when Farah and Reese come back after Farah accepts the mating bond and everybody in the inner circle bows Mm-hmm. chills like, chills and started crying more than any other scene like I was just like this is so beautiful oh my gosh but anyways she chose her family in the inner circle but then we see Nesta and Elaine come into this world too and Feyre kind of gets to rebuild that blood family too mm-hmm. yeah which is really really cool to see and I think it also speaks to other elements of mental health like I know you haven't finished Akafas yet um the novella but we really get to understand a little bit more about Nesta and why the transition was so difficult with for her Mm -hmm. and how she's handling it um and it's just really cool to see how trauma how the same type of trauma manifests in people differently um I think it's really validating for a lot of people to see that Elaine I feel like very much uh blocks out a lot of things and Nesta reacts with anger and Farah obviously it's like a um, problem solver yeah so it's just I think I don't know I the side characters are so great and I think that's why Sarah J Mass is continuing the series because she grew so attached to these characters and they all have such unique stories to tell I mean same yeah. with Azriel and Cassian and Moore and Amran and just everybody like 
how we like Amrin, how she came to be in Prithian yeah. in the first place. And I think when we talk about my favorite character from the Inner Circle, if not Reese, <laughs> is <laughs> is Amrin. I thought that her story was incredibly unique and mm-hmm. um, kind of speaks to this idea that regardless of who you are and where you came from, you can become loved and feel love and give love and i cried when i thought that she i really thought that she was gone i know i really thought that she was going to be the sacrifice (laughs) yeah because Um, i kept i was like i'm i believe that sometimes spoilers can save lives this is that's kaylee's tm trademarked (laughs) um (laughs) phrase but like I, i i was like kaylee is a member like what's going to happen with this inner circle like what is going to happen and she was just like the inner circle will feel loss is what she told me and i was like oh that's a good way to put it yeah she was like (laughs) what do you mean the inner circle will feel lost is one of them going to die and the whole time i was like it's fine not it's fine but like i was thinking okay whatever if asriel loses his wings it's fine (laughs) he's still alive whatever and then when i i saw like amarin coming into play stepping up i was like oh no don't you do this sarah and then when we thought reese was gonna die or when he did die on page 666 like how rude so rude i remember texting you and i was just like he died oh my gosh sarah (laughs) i wonder let me see if i can pull up and play for you you guys the video that sarah Sarah, the the high reader that she sent me this is the video that she sends me. I am taking this video because I want you to see, I want you to witness what you have done to me. I want you to be able to, to have to look into my eyes. And I want you to answer for the fact that you brought this book into my life, this series. And I know you didn't write it, but I don't know Sarah J. Moss. So I can't get mad at her. But I'll never be okay again. Five minutes later. Okay, I've forgiven you. He's back. I take it all back. We're not beefing anymore. (laughs) Um, No, I also really thought that Amram was going to be the sacrifice. Something that, though, I think my one criticism is that, like, it's, not even it's not a criticism. I guess it's just like the ending of Akawar, Court of Wings and Ruin, could be interpreted by some of being a little too buttoned up. But I think when we think of this as like fantasy romance, like it does still get that like sort of happily ever after ending for yeah. a lot of the characters. I always tell everyone they're like, well, like why? Like okay, like the second book is the best. Why? And I'm like. Okay, when I finished it, I literally was like her Brooks when the United States Olympic team beat Russia of being like, yeah, like I was like running around the living room and I was just like hitting, like pounding my fist and I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So another theme that we see in the books is redemption or what I like to call subjective redemption. Mm. So we have Lucian, who we've not really talked a lot about, who in the first book, I adore. Adored. I loved Lucian yes. so much. 
He's like, I guess, the the Lumiere. He's like Tamlin's right-hand man. But in the second book, Lucian does not stand up for Feyre. He does not, like, challenge Tamlin's treatment of her, Mm -hmm. even though Feyre literally, like, asks for his help. Um, And then she, like, really messes with everybody in the third book, obviously. Um, I want fan art for some reason of her in her little nighty when she like tricks Tamlin oh into gosh. thinking that her and Lucian. I just like can like I just want to see like the look on her face when she like shuts the door in Tamlin's face and is like, mm, "You thought you were coming to my bed tonight?" Like, I don't know. That's one of my favorite moments I've, of hers because yeah. like I feel like it's just so badass. Feyre coming back to Spring Court at the beginning of Book Three felt like Carrie Underwood before he cheats yes like, <laughs> yes that like that is that, that is energy. the vibe that energy is what came in or like or like taylor swift sorry the old favorite can't come to the phone right now literally she's dead. Yes! big reputation energy <laughs> um but do you like did did Lucian redeem himself? Like, do were we? Did you think we should forgive him? I still have like mixed feelings about it. I don't like how he like goes up to Elaine and is like, "You're my mate." Like, yeah, when she's literally just like been through such drama. Right, I agree. I think though, I will defend him in that moment in that I think that like it's an involuntary thing totally. when it strikes you like that. So I feel like it was more of a test of okay, but Lucian's like, Reese kept it in check. <laughs> I know. Well, obviously, we can't he's the most High Lord. <laughs> he's the most powerful High Lord to um, ever exist. And then, okay. obviously, we know what Natalie will say about Tamlin and his redemption. The like, I will, I will back Natalie up to an extent. I, I feel the same way. I think, um, and we're talking about Natalie. That's what Nat reads. I think that Tamlin did redeem himself at the end. I uh, didn't hate him until the end of the second book when I have a TikTok that I made where (laughs) it's literally like Favor's like, no, Tamlin, like we're done. And he's like, I don't really care what you have to say. Yeah. And so that moment, I really hated him. And then I think that my hate for him escalated in the way that he talked about Feyre in the meeting with all the High Lords. I can't even explain to you how angry I was. I was so angry. And, oh my God, when Reese took away his voice. Yes. I was just All the like, snaps. I mean, I don't, I don't need Tamlin to be redeemed. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens like further on in this story. Um, mm-hmm. I think that what happens in the novella is leading us to believe that there's going to be a larger redemption arc. Um, Ooh. But yeah, I don't know. And then, like, what about her dad? Like. He just sort of, like, shows up at the end and is like, here are these chips and I'm going to save my daughters. And it's like, ooh, it just well, a little actually, too late, a little too <laughs> I actually did cry when um, their dad came in with the ships. Yeah, and it surprised I definitely, me. It, I think I never forgot about him, like, because they made such a point of, like, mentioning, like, my dad is off in some far away place and he doesn't even know where we are. I don't know whose voice that was, but anyways, it just came out of me. Um, I feel like 
I always knew that he was going to come back in and I didn't know how. I think it's very classic parent in a fantasy dystopian novel like sacrifice so like like their their dad is the is the sacrificial lamb of the series I suppose he dies um spoiler alert um (laughs) and it's so it feels like um I think in a lot of YA new adult fantasy dystopian the the parents realize what they have done to make their kids have to be self-sufficient too soon or too early on in their life and Mm -hmm. so like I think of like the the mom in um the Divergent series and Katniss's mother in the Hunger Games like it feels like it's sort of like a trope in a way of like I let you down before but I'm gonna sacrifice myself now so it didn't like surprise me I guess well I guess I said that that scene moved me. Um, what are some of your favorite passages, quotes maybe, that we can talk about? I think we obviously have to talk about chapter 54. People always think that chapter 55 is my favorite because... Campbell's um, But no, it was really 54 for me that... Because I am like someone that like needs answers and I needed yep. Reese to answer for that stuff that he did in the first book. I felt like 54 was the chapter where it was like, here's my monologue of me explaining everything that I've done since the moment that I dreamed about you first. And I was yes. just like, oh. I love chapter 54. Like, I want a bookmark that says chapter 54 because, like, oh my God, love me some emotional intimacy, people. Like, yeah. I, number one, it's just mind blowing of like the plot holes that get filled in. And you're yes. like, what? Wow, this is awesome. But I just, like, I think all I said about that chapter when we were talking about it, I was like, his monologue. Just like, Literally, he's like, I'm going to carve my heart out of my chest and leave it on the table for you. And I am yours. Take me or leave me. Yes. Like, take me or leave me. I'm not like, I am here for you. And like, this is everything. He's like, and he never like, I didn't feel like he was trying to prove himself to Farah. I felt like he literally was like, I owe you an explanation. Here is the explanation. And then you can make up your mind from there. It's mm-hmm. just like, oh my gosh, it's so it was satisfying. So raw. It was so raw and so authentic. I obviously love when Moore says the don't let the hard days win quote because mm-hmm. I just think that that's like something we all personally need to remember. But my yes. favorite quote of the entire series is, um, I don't know what chapter it's in. It's very early on in the second book um, when she says, uh, she's reading so obviously this is why oh, I liked yes. it. And she said, but I love this one. Um, but it had filled my time, given me quiet, steadfast company with those characters who did not exist and never would, but somehow made me feel less alone. And I think that that's just like the the reason that this, that's exactly how I felt reading these books. And that's why I love them so much because they they're not real, but they feel real to me. And um, I don't know. That's just one of my faves. Yep, a hundred percent. That's that was one of the first ones that I book darted to, um, and then of course I love when Reese and Farah are talking, and 
She says, I meet his stare as I clink my glass against his, the crystal ringing clear and bright over the crashing sea far below, and said, to the people who look at the stars and wish, Reese. And he picked up his glass, his gaze so piercing that I wondered why I had bothered blushing at, at all for Tarquin. Reese clicked his glass against mine. To the stars who listen and the dreams that are answered. Oh, such a classic one. So good. I have that on my necklace that I custom ordered. So what are you hoping for in A Court of Silver Flames? Because that's obviously not um, from, that's not, Farrah and Reese's story is been buttoned up. It has a clear ending. Um, and this is supposed to be Nesta and Cassian's story. I'm really hoping for some great banter. Yes. I want to see Nesta be the true badass that I think that she is. And, like, I just want to see her to see her in, like, such a powerful role. Um, I swear if Sarah J. Mass touches Reese and Farah, we will have words. So that she be- – it better – they better be, like, you know, living their best life. Um but I'm really excited to see where Nesta and Cassian's relationship blossoms and how Nesta continues to be, um, like, a really great heroine. I think that she is going to be a lot of people's favorite. I think so, too. I'm hoping for a lot of backstory. I'm hoping that we get to see, learn a little bit more about Nesta um, before she was became Faye. Um, and also a little bit more of Cassian's backstory. Mm-hmm. I'm really interested to see how the relationship between Nesta and Moore shifts. Mm. And I think there will be some fun banter there. Um, obviously, I am, I mean, I am team Elaine and Asriel. I'm sorry, Lucian. Like, he breaks my heart in the third book with how much she's, like, trying to be patient for yeah. her. But I... I don't know. I want happiness for Asriel. Um, I do too. I think that's another thing that we're going to see evolve in these, these stories is like that love triangle there. And um, ultimately, I agree. I want her to end up with Asriel. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. It comes out January 2021. So I'm sure we'll come back with another episode <laughs> like this. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about, Ash? I... I hate saying no because I feel like there's always something more I could talk about but I think that we've covered pretty much everything but let's never say never who knows maybe we'll do a follow-up like all the things we forgot to mention part two (laughs) yeah um and obviously it's I mean, we love these ser- this series for so many reasons. We want to know what you love about this series. So, if like, make sure you stop by our Instagram today. Leave a comment. DM us. We always love talking about this series um, because it definitely opened – I mean, I know – I think for the both of us, uh, we it opened us up to the fantasy genre. It doesn't feel mm-hmm. as intimidating. Make sure to leave a review and a rating on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to support Read It or List It. And we are so thankful that you chose to listen to this. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Original music by Jake Thorne. Podcast produced and edited by me, Ashley Chandler, and Phoebe Wright. You can find us on Instagram at Pod. All rights reserved, 2020.